Welcome back to the One a Week Podcast, everybody. I am Jonas. I'm Matthew. Today we are going to be talking about uh, Suspiria, uh, the soundtrack for 2018's Suspiria, directed by Luca Guadagnino, and the soundtrack is made by Radiohead's Tom York, the front man. Um, I picked this album because uh, I have an absolute love for that movie, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I wanted to kind of revisit the soundtrack on its own because it's such a enjoyable and integral part to so much of the movie that I wanted to see how I felt about it uh, separate from the movie. That being said, I did also watch the movie, so that will make up part of the conversation uh, for the album today. Matthew, how'd you, how'd you feel? How'd you enjoy uh, listening? Well. I couldn't, like, just listen to it without thinking about the movie, obviously, because I had seen the movie first many times before ever listening to the soundtrack on its own. So in my brain, even though I was like, well, I have to isolate the music from the movie, I couldn't. Yeah, and And a lot of, like, the tracks are named after specific parts or things that happen in the movie or cues in the movie. And it's not arranged chronologically or in the order of where it would appear in the movie and that's not like a complaint i just i Although went into I, I, it with I, that yeah i do mindset wonder why i don't know maybe it was just like the order in which he created the yeah. songs or how he felt it worked the best together but um because there's a ton of like one minute two minute long like completely instrumental mm-hmm. tracks and i had to I had to imagine how they would fit in the movie in order to... Because it's not something I would throw on and be like, this is a banger. Yeah. It was just how it would fit in that part of the movie. I think that's what that's where its strength comes from. So that's how I had to rationalize the whole thing. Um, but that being said, there are plenty of tracks that I think stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Suspirium is like the big song. Yeah. And that plays near the beginning of the movie um, when, like, Susie is introduced and her whole thing is introduced and she's the main character, for those of you who don't know. Um, and it's just, like, a great standalone song. Like, it's a it's a simple piano thing. Yeah. And it has Tom York's, you know, high-pitched falsetto thing that he always does for some reason. Um, but it, it just works really well as its own song, even without even without the context of the movie. If this ended up on, like... Moon-shaped pool. I would be like, yeah, this is a good, this mm-hmm. is a good song. Um, I, I think that uh, I I tried to okay. So, you know, I have difficulty listening to just instrumental stuff because I guess I just don't have the patience for it a lot of the time. Um, and I've kind of felt not much different listening to this record when I was not watching the movie. When I was watching the movie, I was like, yeah, the music's great. It's so good. And, like, I still felt that way about the music while I was listening to it without the visual medium. But I could tell I was getting antsy, especially towards the end, because it's long. It's a long soundtrack. And um, after, let me see, after Volk, like... No, after Suspirium finale, um, 
I really like sharp drop off in terms of attention span, especially because Choir of One comes on after that, and it's like twelve minutes or something like that. I think fourteen. Fourteen, and it's it's just like kind of ambient. For I'm not even sure where that is in. The movie. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I think some of them didn't end up being in the movie, at least not at a place where it's like at the, yeah at where it's like where you can hear it and where it's not just like blending into the background yeah because like songs like volk are like diegetic like they're being yeah. played in the in the movie and um olga's destruction which is a, a great name for a track yeah um i i like how it introduced the volk motif um and i like how it's incorporated in the movie as like a, a diegetic thing where it's like it's coming out of speakers for the dance that Susie's doing that is also doing things to Olga, I'll say. Because I don't want to spoil any of the movie. Um, it's a good movie, and everybody should watch it. Yeah, no, I, would, should. I, I know this is a music podcast where we talk about music, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. There are no hard and fast rules to anything we're doing. And, um, yeah, I would just highly recommend the movie. Um, but for those instrumental tracks, mm -hmm. um, I think I enjoyed them more definitely with the movie yeah. being there. I think that visual component really elevates them in a way that um, them just being standalones. I mean, obviously there are, um, there are um, exceptions to that because there are a ton of tracks that have like motifs that appear throughout the film, like belongings thrown in a river that is all over the place um and hooks that shows up in a few places and then the volk motif mm -hmm. and then um suspirium finale that shares a motif with suspirium the track um and that's most soundtracks have that they have a motif or something like that yeah. that kind of brings it all together even if it's not with the movie you you're like okay this is all one complete thing um and then there are just a couple, like, standalone, I feel like just Radiohead songs. Yeah, Unmade is a Radiohead song, right? Like, yeah. I feel like we have to talk um, about that. Has Ended is like a trip-hop thing, but yeah. it's very Radiohead. Um, Open Again feels very Radiohead to me, although it feels a lot more cinematic than anything Radiohead really does normally, because it's in a movie, and it kind of plays at, like, a very climactic point, that dinner scene with... Yeah. Blanc and Susie, oh, it's so where they're good. just like staring at each other. That so good. That's when the song plays, and it fits very well. But it yeah. feels very cinematic, even without that component. Although it's always in the back of my mind because whenever I'm, I think about this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but even for those instrumental tracks, I thought they were very well made. It's again, I, I I'm kind of like you in that like I can very much appreciate something, but I I can't, I don't think I can just turn it on all the time and listen to it, but. Um, I can definitely acknowledge that um, it's very strong, very meticulous, and very um, compelling in how, like, there's a lot of, like, dissonant noise, and a lot of it's super unsettling because, you know, it's a horror movie. Yeah. So that makes the most sense for the the tone and the mood of all the music. So he did a great job there. I think this is probably his strongest solo thing that he's ever done. I've only listened to, like, two of his solo albums. Um Anima and The Stranger. I'm going to have to fact check that. But um, 
they're both like good, but I the eraser that's what it's called. Uh -huh. um, I think they're because Anima was also kind of the soundtrack because he made like a short film with Paul Thomas Anderson mm -hmm. to complement the movie. So there was that. But I I think that this when he honed his efforts into making like a horror thing, and he was like, I'm gonna go electronic. I'm gonna go ambient. I'm gonna do some Aphex Twin type <laughs> stuff. If you looked up Aphex Twin type beat, you would get a lot of the tracks on this. That was a little, a little humor for you. Please don't look that up. Um, <laughs> you would get a lot of the tracks from this this whole album. And um, I think my favorite song on this whole thing is has to be Volk. Yeah, like it's, it's so good. Even though it's there's no so words. Good. The piano is so chilling, and then it goes into that whole like synth horn, like crazy nuts passage, and then it comes in with like trip hop, like that little drum line at the end, and obviously it goes it goes over so well in the movie. Yeah. But just just on its own here, I think it's very yeah. very very strong. Yeah, Volk is definitely my favorite, and like for a minute I was like, no, Unmade is my favorite because it's just like a normal Radiohead song. But then I was like, no, that's like that misses the point. Um, and and Volk has to be my favorite because it it's it it fires on all cylinders for what I want this to do as like a soundtrack. Um, so like not only does it go perfectly with the point that it's in in the movie and it recurs. It's also just really good. It's just a really good track. Yeah. Yeah, I'm you have a very talented musician yeah at the helm and I had a lot of um this is going to seem very facetious because, you know, I'm a dumb music nerd, but I had a lot of I thought a lot about Johnny Greenwood's um You Were Never Really Here. He did the score for that movie mm -hmm. just because of the range of that like there would be like synth and then strings and then like just Radiohead, but he didn't do any singing because Johnny Greenwood. Um, but I obviously drew a lot of parallels there, even though the movies are completely different. Like these, those are not similar movies in any way, other than like they're like R-rated. I think that there's a lot of overlap because you have the, these very talented. In, I think that Johnny Greenwood. I'm gonna get into this for no reason. I think that Johnny Greenwood. Is the strongest. I think he's the reason Radiohead is at the pinnacle they're at. He's such a he's such a strong arranger and composer of electronics and just guitar. He's the guitar player. Mm, um, I know. And if you if you well, I'm talking to the people. You looked at me. I was looking at the, the table. <laughs> um, he's the guitar player, and obviously, where would Radiohead be without guitar? Yeah. Um, so he's, uh, he obviously brings a lot. So, um, I was glad to see that Tom York is also very capable of coming up with very strong, very varied, that, that was gross, very dynamic. We'll go with that. Dynamically varied? No. Okay. Because <laughs> dynamic is kind of a music term for like differences and... And, um, I'll sit, in, I'll in sit down. I'll never speak again. <clears throat> I was an orchestra student. This is probably my 15th time <laughs> bringing this up on the podcast. But um, I can very much appreciate um, just meticulousness in music. Even if I don't dig it that much, I can be like, well, 
there was obviously a lot of thought and care put into every single bit of this. And yeah, I, I feel that way for this. Yeah. Because it has, it has, you know, Tom York singing. It's Tom York producing. He's, he kills it completely. Yeah. It's a, it's a very impressive outing. And even though I'm, I'm not going to listen to this on its own, uh, well, I'll listen to Volk on its own. I will, because that sounds so good. Yeah, there's a couple of tracks that I um, might throw on a playlist or something. But like, I don't, I don't need to listen to this on its own because it just, it comes with such a great movie, and it's, it's a big part of what makes the movie as good as it is. And I, I, I mean, I think it's, I think Suspiria is literally a flawless movie. I think it's a perfect movie, and I would change nothing about it. And a big part of that is the soundtrack that, that makes it the way that it is the sets the tone and the the ambiance and it's just it's it's just perfect yeah i guess it's um, perfect we can talk a little bit about just movie specific stuff um a big thing about what makes that movie work is the dancing it's such a huge part yes they're at a dance academy obviously and there's like there's a couple dance numbers like Susie's audition the whole thing with olga the Volk performance that goes crazy. So obviously the dancing had to work. And for that to work, I think the music had to work also. Yep. And it it comes together. There's like the 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 I, I won't spoil it because I want people to watch this movie. But the ending scene the ending scene is a dance number where everybody's like losing their minds for reasons in the movie and that's when unmade plays at the end because the, the everything about them is unmade it's you know it's pretty straightforward pretty simple but like it works perfectly and it's one of the few times you get a vocal on the track that's playing and it still works it still works i i read somewhere that um the the soundtrack was composed before production of the movie I don't know how. So how, that, how could you do that? I don't know if, like, Luca, my man Luca sent him, like, a screenplay or just, yeah. like, a general idea of what was going to happen. And he was like, well, make the music that you think yeah, would fit this. Like, the two fit together so well. I don't know how they're not, they weren't created, like, simultaneously side by side. They're, it is, like, two perfectly fitting puzzle pieces. It's, yeah. it's crazy. And I, um... And I'm I'm glad that that's what happened because I think it allowed for um, because like there are some scenes in the movie where the music is being played, like there on set, yeah, um, and it allows for the 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 dances to really be elevated because they had they had music with it. It wasn't just like them doing choreography in like a it's quiet room. Yeah. They had they had the music that was going to be playing in the movie to go along with it, and that doesn't always happen. Like there's plenty of scenes where the music is just playing but they're not dancing it's just going along with what's happening in the movie um because a lot of them you can't really, i feel like you can't really dance to plenty of these tracks sure yeah. they're just kind of chaotic and loud and i don't know i'm not a dance expert so this movie makes me wish i was like genuinely this movie because <laughs> it's like this movie was the first time i ever looked at dance and considered it like and realized not considered realized it was it is such a high form of art. Like dance, to me, is comparable to like actual physical like painting artwork. Like music is art, movies are art, 
you know, there's a lot of things that qualify as art, but very few things feel as ancient and sacred and special in terms of art uh, on the same level as like dance art. Because dance, dance predates everything. Everything, like, it's, it's so incredible. And this movie made me realize that. And it makes me wish I knew more about dance. But I don't, and I'm terrible at dancing in every way, shape, or form. So, I don't know. But I am also terrible at making any kind of music of my own, and I managed to get into music somehow. So, I yeah. have no excuse. Well, yeah. I, it, yeah, the movie really kind of elevates dance as, yes. a, as a form of expression more so than anything I've really seen. Um... Because my exposure to dance was like dancing with the stars or whatever. Yes. And that really means nothing. Like it's honestly, it means, um, and maybe I just read it off. Maybe if I rewatched Dancing with the Stars, I'd be like, well, there's something wrong. <laughs> but the way Bill that, Nye was in an episode. I just remembered that. You just made me remember that. So Bill Nye, uh, hopefully he, he appreciates the art of dance. Um, but this movie, the way, the way that um, they like describe dancing and choreography yeah it made me like think about it and it, it made me realize that i literally don't like i don't know yeah there's this, there's an incredibly simple scene where um due to like magical circumstances because the, the whole point of the movie is it's a dance school that's run by a coven of witches uh that's a very short summation um but due to magical circumstances the main character is being like dragged to the ground like by some magical gravity force um and there's a part in the main musical number where she has to do these jumps and dakota johnson the actress who plays Susie, is is jumping and she's just not jumping very high at all and it's like and and and, and tilda swinton the the lead dance instructor is like like you have to jump higher you have to jump higher and like do it does there's this whole scene where they get her to jump higher and it's that is a such a simple component of a larger piece of dance that is so it's so beautiful they tie it in so well of just like how freeing it is to see her character get height jump higher she's freed of that like the evil ominous force that is trying to drag her and keep her on the ground it's so magnificent it 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 makes me want to cry it makes me want to cry i love this movie so much um you're welcome by the way yes yeah that was all matthew i saw the original suspiria uh that came out in the 70s love that movie um i think it's phenomenal and then Matthew was like, yeah, but uh, did you see the 2018 version? And I was like, I have no interest in watching a remake or whatever. It's lame, I, and it's not going to be as good as the original. Because the original is also really, really good. But then uh, he convinced me one way or the other to watch the 2018 version. And literally within the next four weeks, I think I watched it seven or eight more times. Something ridiculous like that. Um it's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. It's it's it wavers between my third and fourth favorite movie, but it's probably like the best movie I've ever seen, just in terms of quality and all the meaning it has. It's such a phenomenal movie. Yeah, I. It's hard for me to 
it's such a, a layered movie, and I guess we can talk about just the movie. I mean, what? Who? Who cares? Who cares? We'll just do what we want. Yeah, I suppose it is our podcast. <laughs> um, the, it's it takes. A, I I would call the original Suspiria just kind of a simple movie. I mean, that's not a complaint. I'm just saying it's it's fairly no. It doesn't push any boundaries. It's just no. a really really good horror it's, it's movie. Well it's got some really cool like technical aspects. Most of it is just Susie, kind of like being like, "Whoa, there's witches in the coven." It just it's a really good looking movie. Yeah. They it, do it some really great. good practical and stuff, it's very and they have forward. amazing lighting in that movie. Some of the best lighting I've ever seen in any um, movie. Just just technically, it's it's a great yeah. movie, and um. I I saw it after seeing the 2018 version, and I was a little put off. I was like, well, this this is a lot simpler, but I've come around. I'm, I'm not going to be like, well, it sucks because the, the new version is better. Um, but the new version is just, I wouldn't even, it's hard to even call it a remake. Because it's not. It's it's a reimagining. It is a reimagining. It's just a retelling. Yeah, like, it's... Ugh. It brings on so much more subtext with the... With the um, the background of like the Cold War and being in Berlin with like the and the Berlin Wall is like right outside the the dance academy and so much of the movie is folk like there's a whole kind of side plot about like terrorists and what they're doing and that just adds a whole layer yeah. to everything that's going on and then it adds like the the three mothers that isn't even in the the. That's just completely new. Well, I mean, not technically. If you want to get into it real quick, technically, uh, Dario Argento, the director of the original Suspiria, he created an anthology series uh, about the three mothers. Okay. One of which was uh, Mother Suspir- Suspiriorum, which was Suspiria, um, the first of the anthology series, and the. Definitely the most well-known and popular. Okay. But I haven't seen the other two, and I don't know that I will. Um, but yeah, Luca Guadagnino ties all three of them into this movie. And and, and you know, the, the Mother Suspiriorum is the only one that matters. You don't really get into the other two. But I don't want to say that the other movie doesn't really deal with it. I mean, you, you, two got, you get into the other two because it's all kind of a... Commentary on post yes. World War Two yes. Cold War. Journey. It handles it much better than the original does. I, which and, uh, I don't, like the, it's what movies do that, and I, I that's why I have such a deep affinity for this movie. Is it stands for so much artistically speaking to me? Is it is in a in a world in a time where a billion movies are remade or recreated or re whatever rebooted uh that was the other one i was gonna say whatever a billion movies and all of them are just the same or like uh uh uh, an insult to the original i'm like i'm gonna look up another remake that came out in 2018 i'm gonna i'm I'm sure there was a disney remake but like in in a in a time where that is so common to happen and so squandered all the time, but they always make enough money. All right, all right. Okay, they, I'll pause. They, re- <laughs> um, the Predator remake. Yeah, that's more of a, that's reboot. a reboot. But that that falls into the category that came of what out I'm talking in 2018. about. 
Um, I'm one sure one. some Conjuring universe yeah. movie came out. Um, and it just, there's such a difference. And I'm going to get into it a little bit. The critical response to this movie is kind of pissing me off. It's pissed me off since I've seen they, the movie, yeah. They, um, they're like, well, it's bold, but it's definitely not for everybody. And yeah, I guess it's not for everybody. It's a bit extreme in a lot of places. But what if you're a critic, you're going to complain that it was too extreme. You're a critic. Yeah. you got to deal with it. Yeah. You think? Do you think that if like a food critic was on a show and somebody made food with like a tomato and he was like... I don't eat tomatoes. <laughs> You're a critic. You're supposed to be a professional. So you have all these film critics that are like, it was just a little too like messed up for me. Grow a pair. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's your job. And it's not even that bad. No, like, it's honestly not even worse than... some parts, like, there's the one Olga scene that it's like, yeah, it's very difficult to watch. But everything else is extremely, like, tame in terms of horror movies it's like, it's more just a sense of foreboding and maybe that's what they were picking up on because like, this movie makes me feel uncomfortable shut up that's kind of the point i think and nothing is like gratuitous nothing is like just mean no, spirit it's such a it's such a it's such a gentle movie and even though it is a like a horror movie that has violence in it it is still a very gentle movie like just that whole ending scene with the old man we didn't even talk about the old man tilda swinton <laughs> she plays madame yes. blanc she plays mother marcos those are two female characters but there is a male character named Josef klimperer she plays him too she's just in a ton of makeup not credited either they made a they fake made name a fake male actor name but it is Tilda Swinton. Oh my god. She plays two oh my gosh. huge roles in the movie that, like, I can't imagine the amount of makeup that it required for her to look the way she does as Klimper. So, uh, so she was, <laughs> she's a huge part of the movie. <laughs> like, I was like, when I learned it's that she played like an old man, I was like, oh, so she'll, it'll be like a bit part. And it'll be like a, like a like he'll be important, but he is half of the runtime yeah. of the movie. He's he's, yeah. he's probably just as much as a main character as Susie is in the whole thing. Yeah, because he has a whole story that's like it's, it's separate from the dance academy. I mean, yeah. it overlaps eventually, but yeah, like it's set up at in like the first scene of the movie, and then it just keeps going and going and going, and it's all fleshed out. Every there is not one wasted thing in this whole movie. No. And there's nothing to be trimmed either, I don't no. think. This movie could be 45 minutes longer and I'd, I'd, I'd still manage to yeah, enjoy it all the way through. It's it's. I've seen a lot of movies recently that are like two hours and I'm like, these this probably didn't need to be that long. But yeah. Suspiria is like a two hour, 30 minute movie. Yeah, it's long. And it's a long movie. I, I don't feel it at no. all. I don't feel the runtime in any no. way. And there's something to be said for that just on its face, but the the amount of stuff in the movie that just flows together so seamlessly while also having so much to say, um I <laughs> it's 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 unbelievable. It's such a it's it's an amazing film. It's almost unimaginable. And it and, and it just it's unapologetic 
artistic vision. Yeah. They're like it doesn't feel necessary it doesn't feel the need to pay homage to the original, yet it still does just kind of incidentally. Yeah. It it, it does its own thing. Luca Guadagnino tells his own story in his own way, and he proves that you can take an old dead title and you can you can take it off the shelf, you can wipe the dust off, and then do your own thing with it and make it just as good, if not better. And that is so rare in the history of film, and it is next to impossible to find within the past decade, you know? It's just, we, oh, look at this old thing, they made money. Remake it with live action, and it'll make just as much money. And nobody likes them. Nobody likes any of the live-action Disney remakes. Everybody's like, I don't get why this existed. And they all make like half a billion dollars anyway. Well, because it just it works on a marketing level. <sighs> like, oh, I like parents are like, I liked Aladdin when I was a kid. Oh, look, Aladdin is coming out in theaters. I'll just go see it with my kids. Oh, it was fine. It's like, oh, we didn't need this, but it, it was fine because it's corporate it. safe. I spent money it's on corporate it anyway. safe. Oh well, um, I don't know how Luca saw the first Suspiria and got got this much out. of I mean, it. I know he he directed it, uh, and his his the other guy that I forget the name of wrote it. Um, he had a guy, another guy that. They were both like the executive producers. One of them wrote it. One of them directed it. Oh, nice. But I, um, I feel like this was. But a very they shared, both had hands on both sides of vision. the aisle. Um, and I like. It feels very um, complete. Like there's yeah. no there's no tension between directing. No, and writing, there's no there the there was no like the sound that yeah. we were originally talking about. Yeah. The music. There um, was no meddling on any on any. Space in any part of this, it was all unapologetic artistic vision. Yeah, there's no they just everybody, at least no everybody, no compromises that you can see. That every every single cast member, everybody behind the scenes, Tom York, because yes, this is still a music podcast. We're talking about the music, guys. Every the two times we've done a a a, a, a thing that had a visual accompaniment. We really got into it. What does that say? I don't. I mean, like the the inside thing. Like you, you have to like the song. Like it's a musical. Yes, yeah, so yeah. this is more just this is the soundtrack to yeah. the to the thing. But yeah, you're right. Like there's a other component that is kind of integral to the whole thing. So yeah, we talk about it. Yeah. Um, I guess reeling it back into the the soundtrack component yeah i've said what i need to say about the movie go watch yeah, it like um, act i mean if you like horror especially go watch it it's oh my gosh um i i this this works more so than anything i think i've ever experienced and the soundtrack is it's no an integral part yeah, of it it's, all it's no less everything a, is a part in the machine and it is a perfect machine. Um, so i guess just the soundtrack on its face i have to give like an a just, i like i'm just gonna it really works yeah, i'm gonna I don't, 
I'm gonna do what you did with Insight, and I'm not gonna grade it because I just that's true. I I don't this I don't more of a... I don't care one way or the other about the soundtrack on its own. But then when I pair it with the movie, it all works perfectly. So I'm just gonna leave my grading as that sentence basically. Okay, I mean, I guess since I saw this as more of like a soundtrack rather than like a a set of songs that are just performed in the in the movie, I felt that. It could have like it could stand on its own, and I think it very much does stand on its own, not just as a work by Tom York, but just as a a musical experience. Mm. So that's why I'm feeling a favorite track. Who cares? Watch the movie. Just watch the movie. Decide um, for yourself. It's just I can't recommend it enough. Next week we're gonna. <laughs> what a cool transition. We're gonna have a special guest. Um, and they have requested that we talk about um, the King Crimson album. Red. Red. Red by King Crimson. By King Crimson. It's Michelle Obama. We have Michelle Obama on the show next week. Why are you spoiling it? Because I'm excited to have Michelle Obama. It would have been so much cooler if it just happened. People it's, know about it's it. It's still going to happen. She's I not going to flake. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. I will still keep up this special guest facade. Uh... We will be talking about Red by King Crimson, very very famous prog rock band. I'm sure the three people listening to this podcast, one of them knows about them. Uh, but anyways, uh, watch Asperia 2018 or 1977. They're both, both good. They're both. I, I would recommend movies. both. Well, I give one. And I give one of them. I give the original a nine out of ten, and I give the 2018 version a, tw- a ten out of ten. Like it's, I, let's go. Those are my ratings. Let's go. I've thought about these ratings for a very long time. I watched <laughs> the original Suspiria January first of 2020. It was because I did I did one movie every week that year. That was like my New Year's resolution. I watched that. That was the first movie I watched. What a great way to start the Ooh. year. Sorry, a tangent. I keep going off. Whatever. It does you think this is structured? You think this podcast counts as structured? I don't think I've ever thought this. We was start with an intro and we end with an outro, and that's about it. Yeah, and even that—it's uh, not for going debate. well right now. No. Um, all right. Well, next right. week, Red King Crimson. Forgot what year it came out. Doesn't matter. <laughs> See you then. Bye.